Uh, welcome to A Pint with Shawnee B. I've got a very interesting old uh, man joining me today. Uh, he is a man of many trades. He's lived a big, long life. He's a former professional footballer. He works in advertising and uh, has traveled the world. He has a handlebar moustache and his name is Nobby Bottom Shuffle. Nobby, welcome to A Pint with Shawnee B. Hello. Have you been on a podcast before? Oh, I haven't. I've never heard of him. Podcast or something. It's that. a new thing, you know. You know the internet. I've heard of it. So the, it's basically a lot of wires and a screen and computers, and you can watch things like football. You're an ex-football player, That's and right. you can actually see old old matches on on this thing oh, called the internet. I'll have to have a look into that. That sounds good. Yeah, you played for um, a number of clubs back in the day, didn't That's you? Right. Corinthians. Spro- well, Spro- you know the, the the main one being Sprout Academicals. Sprout Academicals. Yeah, Sprout Academicals. You went to yeah. not very athletic for a while. Not very athletic, yes. Uh, yeah, I was there. You centre, were their leading centre, goal scorer. Centre forward, yeah. 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 And you scored the winning goal in the 1938 FA Cup final. Can you remember that? Yeah, that's Well, right. I just saw footage of it. I mean, you had baggy shorts. They were very generous in uh, undergarments, generally. How much money did you earn in those days? Well, I did very well. I had three quid a week. And what did, And you got free, free pints as well? You were oh, sponsored yeah. by one of the famous breweries. Oh right? yes, yeah, yeah. Well, most importantly, most importantly, we were sponsored by Coughmore Cigarettes. They were they, they were, were our, huge were, at the time. They, yeah, they were. They our, had the football they, cards. They, yeah. yeah, yeah. They were they were our main sponsors, Coughmore. I read um, recently that your football card from Coughmore Cigarettes, one of them was sold for thirty-five thousand pounds. Is that right at auction? You're you're messing about. Is that right? Yeah. There's a, there was a, well, the entire. Not very athletic set went up for sale, and uh, they were quoted for a million. But I think they, they split them up. Um, I and wish your, yours was the most because you were there. I wish highest, I'd kept them there. I score. Where were you born? Well, despite my posh telephone voice that I'm putting on, I'm quite common. I'm, I'm from London. Your father was a scrap metal dealer. That is correct. Yeah, was that so? That's a rag and bone man. He was a rag and bone. Yeah, he was a rag and bone man. Yeah, but this is how good he was. He had the cart. He didn't have an horse, so it was an hand cart. And he used to do it. so. That was more Chinese style rag and bone man, was it? Where like a rickshaw, a version, <laughs> a version well, of a rickshaw. Well, no, I've never heard it called that. It was an hand yeah. cart, hand yeah. cart. Yeah, he ain't Chinese. Did, and did he did he sing any old iron and stuff like that when he went around? No, mainly because he, he might have, he he might have had a go at that, but mainly because he was non-ferrous. What's that? A- anything except iron. Anything except iron. Yeah, so, so baskets, copper, lead, beds, lead, uh, brass, matchsticks. Well, I don't know about ma- what could he do with matchsticks. I you don't could, know. You could make a ship. You know, some people make ships out of lots of nice that, that, Yeah, you're right there. Did he encourage your football career? No, no. Everyone liked football then. Very popular. Jumpers for goalposts, etc. Well, when I was a kid, yeah. If you were lucky enough to have a jumper, of course. Were you Were you very poor? How many, well, how many lived in your house? No, I said we couldn't, we couldn't afford a, a horse. Um, well, you said that. Um... Your father must have been a How strong many? Man. There's only six of us. So I had two brothers and a sister. They all worked in the scrapyard. You were the first member of your family to go to college, but you didn't last very long. Oh yeah, that was art college. See, I went to art college because my mum thought it'd be a really good idea to go to art college. She thought I could get a job painting the the pictures on the edge of plates. 
Some of which have become extremely rare. Well, like I never, I, did, I never did, you know, because uh, I didn't like the idea of going and mo- move to Stoke on Trent. That was again for footballing reasons. Well, you the know, potters. you know, because I, I was more physical than. Uh, than you were able to play football by day and yeah. paint pottery plates. No, by I night. didn't. Ta- I didn't. Ta- I didn't do the plates in the end. Did the football and a bit of advertising. So yes, yeah, so you moved when you retired. I, I think you you're, you had, you did both your hamstrings in one game, um. which, which sort of end, which sort of ended your career. You're better with this than I am. Well, I, I all I do is study your career, which is long and illustrious, and at the height. Just after the FA Cup win against Corinthians, you pulled both your hamstrings going for a diving header and hit your head off the I can't keep this up because I can't think of answers that are as good as your questions. I do. You broke out of football though. Into I I mean, everyone said you were washed up and finished, and you 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 reinvented uh, post-war advertising. um, You think I'm creative, don't you? Well, you You were. You think I'm creative and. um, Unfortunately, I've showed me ad, and you're a lot more creative than I am. No, I, I'm only a journalist here. So, um, now, I've got, I've, I don't want to be Nobby Bottom Shuffle anymore. I want to, <laughs> I want to be Mark Denton Esquire, <laughs> advertising All right, person. we were just trying something there. That was I actually have got Mark Denton, who is the... Who, Mark Denton Esquire, who is the head of Coy Communications. The reason we opened the podcast that way is because Mark uh, is... Uh, all about the power of purility, being puerile. We were trying to be puerile there. He, he's a very famous advertising guy who's worked uh, across many, many big brands, Nike, Wrangler, uh, all through the his, his, his agency in the 1990s, was it, when you set up? 88, you started 88. up. But you were one of the f- uh, first five name companies. Around that time, everyone had their names on the door. Yeah, that's right. Today it's all like about snatch or smuggler or oh, knife yeah. or, or I'd like to go and work. I'd like to, I'd like to go and work for snatch. They sound like a good company. But, anyway, uh, seriously, tell me about the power of Purillion. Why you think we well, need to go back? You know, and that's why I had to go at that. It really was a bloody stupid idea. Me <laughs> pretending to be an obby bottom shuffle, um, but uh, I thought. I couldn't resist it. Yeah. You suggested it. It was a, yeah. it was a good idea. If yeah. I'd been a bit more talented, we might have been uh, able to pull it off. Well, to be fair, I sprung it on you 90 seconds yeah, before that's I it. I didn't, I didn't get, I much, of a, I didn't get much of a run-up on no, that. No. But uh, because it was such a bloody stupid idea, I, I was irresistibly drawn to it. I thought, I'll have a go at that. It might turn out all right. And it's only when um, you started asking me questions. Like, Bloody hell! You want me? I had the cod fishery yeah, for here. You, you, you want to write? You want me to write a history about this character while I'm making it up? I ain't that clever. Purility um, is something that is gone from the advertising stroke, marketing stroke business well, it's for a yeah. lot of reasons. No. You can't be silly anymore, and yet silly stands out. Silly is what people get attracted to. People love I think the you're idea. Right. Of never grow. You never grew up, did you? Well, funny, someone asked me a question just before the talk it was, actually, I said, uh, is, is, and it was a sensible question, um, purility, tell me about purility, can you, can you learn how to be puerile? And it's a, a really obvious answer to that. You have to un, unlearn. Everyone was a kid once, everybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's a decision that's made at some point when you're growing up that where um, you think, right, okay, I've got to be a bit more sensible now. No deep thinking from me, I just never got over the... The pure old bit, 
because I still like cartoons, I still like reading comics, I still like stupid jokes. My favourite film is is still Dumb and Dumber. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like doing. You know, I've been in advertising forty odd years, yeah. so of course you get projects that require uh, an execution that needs to be stylish, or you need to be dramatic, or you need to be emotional. But I'm naturally drawn towards being funny if I can be. I mean, that's why I ducked out of the the earlier experiment because uh, I wasn't funny. You were I, I know that much. But did you find, like, you always, because I, I, I started working in advertising in 1987 in Dublin, and you, I mean, you were on the radar. You were on the radar then as one of the, I think they call them third wave agencies. Yeah. Did you always play, because I, I don't believe you're playing a role. I believe you are this slightly madcap creative guy, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's, it, what I'm saying it's, is it's not like, oh, look, I'm going to try, try and play this role. No, no, it, look, it, this it is you. It is. Absolutely, well, everything I do, outside of getting a brief from an agency, where I obviously I'm a responsible advertising person and yeah. I do what is what is required of the script or or, or the, the graphic design or the poster or whatever. But from a personal creative point of view, I just do the stuff I want to do, and that it just comes out naturally. There's no plan. Oh, I'll, I'll do silly things when I've got a, a blank sheet of paper. What falls out the end of the pen is generally amusing. In my, but it makes if it makes me smile, I put it out into the world, and sometimes people react to it, and some people sometimes people don't, and um, either way is okay. But the second bit about it though is that you get it made. Yeah. Which, which uh, I am guilty of not getting. Well, shit that do you I know, I think made. I find it hard to do, and you know, you were there, you were there today, just throwing this idea that I could talk to you about this, I could talk to you about, but they were all finished. They all they all got yeah. off, and some of them better than others, but you did them. Well, for me, is you know, what's the point of having a what you might think is a good idea, mm. and generally for me that's a daft idea. What's the point of having it unless it exists in the world? Because mm. you can be down a pub with your mates and say, "Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if if we did that?" And then you have another pint, and that's the end of it. What for works for me is actually following up on it and making it exist in the real world. Because yeah. then, I mean, that was the point of the talk, really. Unleash the power of purity, a bloody stupid title, but I'm making it like a, a self help, you know, it's eventually going to be a book, it's going to be a self help book, and just encourage people to do daft things because for me personally, it has made a lot of other magical, unexpected things occur. These happenstances have come along, these dark, daft projects have led to things I, I could never imagine when I, I set out. And it's not like it's worked once, it's worked dozens, dozens of times. Talk about one of the ones that you're most proud of. We'll put a link to it at the end of the podcast. Well, um, oh, no, here's one. It's a real simple one. One day, came into the office, just so happens my graphic design assistant uh, is Chinese, or comes from a Chinese family, and I just came in one day and said, here, Kate, we're going to paint you blue. You know, like the old Tretikoff picture that was popular yeah. in the 60s. Uh, it was on everyone's wall. It's called uh, Chinese Girl, I think. And um, I said, we're going to paint you blue. And she said, yeah, all right. I'm not paying her a lot of money, so it's not <laughs> it's not because uh, she she felt her career was uh, in peril if she didn't agree. <laughs> I don't know. Most but people, she was a sport because I saw most, the, the video yeah, of that. Yeah. Most people want to do dull things, I find. Yeah. I just assume they want to do silly things. 
Except big clients. Except clients. Yeah, because they've got too much to lose. See, what did but Kate, they don't. What did Kate, because if Kate had said, oh, well, piss off, Baldy, I don't want to do that, that would have been fine too. She, yeah. she knew she could say that. But she knew that when we when we take on projects and we do a daft shoot or something yeah. like that, it's generally fun. So she said, you're all right. Turns up, we paint her blue. Through a series of events, I not only end up with that image in the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition, but it's also on BBC TV as the climax being bought by a celebrity. Now, who would have guessed that would have happened when I walked in and said, yeah. here, Kate, do you fancy me painting you blue? No one would have guessed that. Is it fair that for every, me. Is it for every one of those Kate pictures, there's 20 that don't go anywhere? Or Well, look, isn't that, look I'd give another. See, failure can only be deemed to be failure if you admit that it's a failure. Because if it occurs to you, if a failure occurs to you like a success, yeah. it's not a failure. Yeah. Now, if, if you, you like it, if you phoned up my accountant, he you could always get, answer the phone. Well, I do. I do always answer the phone. There's no doubt about that. There's a, anyone, unless you're telling me um, double glazing, I'll pick the phone up. If anyone wants to talk to me about a creative project or get a bit of advice on that or show me some pictures or whatever, I'm 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 always on for that because I'm nosy. I like creative stuff. I like other creative people when I'm nosy, and I always think, oh, there might be a potential creative person that I could stand next to and we can get a. Uh, a fun thing done but talking about failures you talk to my accountant they might bring you a bit of paper and say yeah he lost that amount of money on that he lost that amount of money on that I mean the biggest biggest one was uh, I was working with a mate of mine and we were partners in a production company his name's Malcolm Venville very famous photographer stroke um, uh, director he's a feature film director now as well as doing commercials and um, he done a lot of shots of Mexican wrestlers and he was sending to, he was in America, sending to me in London. I said, Mel, these are bloody great. We should publish these in a book. So we approached a couple of big publishers and they, they were interested and then they lost interest. And I said, look, let's publish the book ourselves. Yeah. Never having published a book about Mexican wrestling before. Mm. And um, so we did it. We did it. And it was a very expensively produced book. I had loads of fun doing that. I, I enjoyed doing that as a, you know, as a graphic designer and just making something exist in the world. Mm. And then, of course, I think, right, well, we can't publish a Mexican wrestling book without flying lots of Mexican wrestlers over, having the UK's first ever world championship Mexican wrestling bout in Leicester Square. <laughs> Which you, you can't did. do that. So we did that. And of course, so Nacho Libre comes to, yeah, comes so, to London. Yeah, now. so you couldn't... How could you ever make a profit on that? Um but for me, that was one of the most fun projects I've ever done. You know, yeah. I don't look at how much it costs. Was there a client attached there? Just... Yeah, we were the client. Yeah, okay. We were the client. And, but one of the uh, things, just being serious, that. one of the serious things in, in this conversation about purity is this idea that you just said clients are not, they're scared, they're afraid to make, yeah. take any risks like this. Yes. But I, I was thinking about about five years ago, I was making some speech somewhere, I said, you know, that I can't think of a risky piece of advertising that backfired that killed a brand so the closest I could come to there was a, a cigarette brand apparently in the 60s called Strand you're never alone yes. with Strand yes yeah you're never alone with Strand yeah, famous, I know it I, famous I, as killing the yeah, brand yeah Benetton when they came out you're, you're a yeah, lover of yeah, 48 yeah, posters yeah, yes. as am I yeah. and you're, you're probably one of the best uh, proponents of, of the craft in the history of UK advertising I would say but when Benetton came out with those kissing priests and AIDS patients yeah. and stuff like that they were arguably looking back way ahead of their time with that 
Um, yeah. It yeah, didn't they, kill them. No, Everyone said no, it was going no, to. No. Stick, as my old boss says, they should stick to knitting jumpers. But yeah, they, they realise that advertising is wallpaper, and let's make a point. Olivier Toscan, you'll yeah. name the guy was who did it. Yeah, you're, you're right. And it's not that I've forgotten about Benetton, because, um, you know, obviously I was heavily into advertising yeah, at the time. Yeah. And um, I was unsure about it, because I didn't like a lot of the executions, yeah. but as, uh, as far as commercial success and the balls that go out there and do this stuff that did divide opinion, yeah. I was full of admiration for yeah. it. And I've never seen anything quite like it before. And we've probably never seen anything quite no. like it since. So, you know, I say, even though I didn't like a lot of the executions, yeah. you, you I would say, respected it. please, let's bring something back as powerful as that mm. now. We could, we could do with it because it seems like every meeting I'm in with serious clients is that there's, there's this big risk-averse factor. Yeah. And so there's I, I never don't been, understand there's, There hasn't been many campaigns that have killed a brand by being out of the box. No. And yet there are hundreds of campaigns where brands took a risk, did something out of the box, and sales just went <laughs> like that. You know, yeah. you know Levi's stuff from... Well, even if you take something up when... when uh, you you know, know, you're a Nike work. Well, not, well Nike... Uh, what, anytime we've done anything good, we did do very well with Nike, but anytime we've done anything good, I never ever thought... Oh, this is a bit risky. Yeah. I thought this but is a bit. Have. This is a bit good. Well, the fact is, when we had our own agency, we only really worked with clients that really bought into us because mm. um, we had Wrangler for a short time. We did some good work. Lovely work. And when they when they stopped wanting the work that we wanted, we said maybe it's a big good idea if we didn't work together anymore. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't see it that happening very often now. We were, in a, do that. we were in this position where we kind of chose the clients we wanted to work with. Mm. And if we were lucky enough that they liked our work too, and that, that was a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. It, no one came to us because they wanted anything that would be conventionally called safe. Yeah. But, you know, I think the but risky... No one ever says that, yeah. No, because the, to they me, kind of do the riskiest advertising is when this vanilla-flavoured stuff goes out there, this wallpaper invisible stuff yeah. that gets millions of pounds spent on it how risky stroke stupid is that mm. for me it seems bloody obvious if you're a client you want to sell something don't you want something that's going to stand out yeah. and if it's going to stand out that means it's got to be different from everything around it and so if it's different that's where the clients think it's a risk and the average creative person would think that is just good and that's what you should be doing you start as a visualiser and was very nice listening to that word again because I haven't heard it in a while. But how much of the blame for the mediocrity and banality do you place at the hands of technology and Apple Macintoshes and stuff like this? And just um, so a lot of your stuff organically starts with a marker and a piece yeah, of paper, right? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why the industry is more conservative now than it used to be. And I don't, you know, I don't like being the man on the soapbox saying it was better in the old days. Because yeah. there's a lot of good things going on. It's not like there's no good advertising about now. Because there's still but there pockets is, I, of good I just, stuff. I mean, there. I think there, there's no good old days in the world of scrap metal or mm. growing up in Ireland in the 1960s. There are good old days in advertising. There are yeah. days when you yeah. would you would probably around the time you were launching your company, yeah. where every month you would see stuff yeah. in the yes. break and news at ten going. I wish I did that. Yeah, you know and it that was, doesn't happen. Yeah. every year. There's more I mean, like every week. They're um, sweating for the John yeah. Lewis commercial. Oh, that, every look, year yeah. There's like, no doubt about it. It's just that there was a greater proportion of good stuff then yeah. than there is now, and now you see 
the occasional good thing. Mm. And John Lewis, for good reason, because it's, yeah, yeah. it's a very polished campaign, mm. but it, that's held up as the, gra- the kind of gold standard every year. But back in the old days, was, you you know, we'd be doing Nike and we'd stand a good chance. But in that same category, you'd have BBH doing Levi's over there, yeah. and you didn't know whether your stuff would yeah. be as good as Levi's, or it would, you know, or there'd be Adidas would be doing great yeah. stuff, and yeah, Delaney doing stuff and, for Tim uh, and all, yeah. Yeah, all this stuff out there, yeah, and Reebok doing great Proper stuff as well. So. There, there was competition. Now there doesn't seem to what be happened? that degree of competition. Well, I think you, you, you talked about te- technology. That's got a bit to blame insofar as when a client insists, it felt good being able to, to set a typeface. Because when I was a visualizer, you didn't get anything set because it cost too much money. So you had to to, to wrist in the headline. Yeah. So you at that stage, when you're presenting the concept to a client, You've got a hand-drawn typeface. You've got a marker visual that was open to interpretation. And nine times out of ten, no, ten times out of ten, you would be getting an original photograph taken for the ad, poster, press ad, whatever it is. Original photograph and the time to craft the headline into whatever look or typeface you want to use later. Now, with computer technology... They get the slick layout with the headlines typeset. They've used a stock shot for the visual, bung logo on the end, greeted in a bit of copy maybe, uh, or typeset. There's no imperfection. And then the client buys it. And they don't want to do an original photograph. They want to, I'll have that stock shot. Yeah, but can't we do something original? No, well, that works all right, doesn't it? Okay, then. Like those occasional clients back in the day who would see an animatic yeah. Got but yeah, that's great. Put it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, back then, some of the animatics were good enough. They were good. Yeah, the, some of yeah, they're better than the finishing yeah. film. Do you have a, um optimistic or pessimistic? You, you seem very optimistic as a person, but do you, do you feel optimistic about the world away from advertising? What, the world in general or yeah. just in advertising? Yeah, like, are you, are you, like, you know, we're... No, I think I think I am pretty optimistic. You know, I do like a moan at the same time, but I I, I am quite optimistic. What's your biggest moan about? Well, money a lot of the time, you know, because uh, as far as advertising goes, there's not a lot of intelligence used at uh, the early stage of is the budget. If you're half decent creative, you should know what a budget will buy you. Mm. So don't buy a big, sexy, high production, high end film. Don't write one if the money grand, ain't, yeah. ain't there. If you've only got 20 grand, write something really good. Make the set out of cardboard. Shoot it on your mobile phone. Make the content of that and the you know the naive way you'd have to do it because you ain't got a lot of money. Make that an advantage. Don't try to do something you ain't got money for. So I, you know, as a director, I see lots of scripts that they really can't afford. Yeah. And sometimes I walk away from them or give them a solution and say, hey, guess what? Don't do it that way. Let's do it this way. And don't have a, a high-end actor. Have a glove puppet. Or make it out of <laughs> string. Was a, or make it out of string. My father was one of Ireland's most famous ventriloquists. I'm nothing but impressed by that. He, nothing he, he opened but the Irish television on the night. And he had a Gaelic-speaking uh, ventriloquist That well. sounds bloody great. And he also... 
he started his ventriloquist career on radio. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Because, there was, because there was no television and they used to have Irish dancing on radio. <laughs> no, but, never. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which uh, is kind of pure. Hey, you, haven't got any, you haven't got any ventriloquist dummies you want to get rid of? I love them. I think they're well, he, great. He, he's still, he's 82, so he's not oh, going to be around much longer. So I can. Oh, well, I'll do that. I want him to last <laughs> a long time. I don't want his You know what he did, though? You'll like him for this. At age 81, he invented a new puppet. Well, good on him. A macaw from Nicaragua. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> See, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a butterfly interval, not weight-wise, but I'm not a butterfly interval. You, people mention things like, oh, but, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'll, how can I get into, yeah. into that game? Thinking up new dummies for the Well, it's, it's receiving a bit of a, a renaissance because a little girl who's 12... Darcy won the America's Got Talent. She's only 12. She's a ventriloquist. So he's oh, bloody I've seen that. I'm going to yeah. look at that now. Yeah. yeah, that's what's good about nowadays. Then suddenly you mentioned that and I can go, go and see it on YouTube yeah. this afternoon. Do you have, uh, like, do you think there'll be a renaissance, though, in, in, because I, I, yeah. I find it a fetid swamp at the moment. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is stinky. Look, but there's good things about it is, well, first of all, the pendulum will swing back at some point. It always does. Mm-hmm. So the pendulum will swing back and clients will start, when they, when they finally get that no one's looking at their ads and everyone's using ad blockers and fast forwarding through the commercials and, and not looking at posters and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, when they finally get that, they will start demanding things that are a little bit more creative. And someone's got to lead by example and start nicking some big company's market share by doing something more yeah. creative. And before you know it, the pendulum will start swinging the other way. They're so suckers I'm for confident. precedent clients. You know, so like when one good beer out, yeah. they go, yeah. give me one yeah. of those. Yeah. And, you know, and oh, suddenly absolutely. all of them are doing good stuff. You absolutely. Know, and, you know, but, you know, know it. it's a good thing. If you're creative, it's a good thing now because without being moany, it ain't as good as it used to be. So if you want to be a creative and you want to stand out, it's like you're in a, in a a race, a sprint, with a load of people who've got their legs tied together. All you've got to do is walk briskly. You don't even have to run yeah. now and you've won. Be so there's so much average stuff going on. Yeah. There's so many people who are accepting the shackles that the clients are putting on them that you don't have to do much to stand out. And uh, it's what I've done. It's what I've tried to... The land of the blind. Exactly. Although I heard a good yeah. one which was in the land of one-eyed men. The two-eyed man is nervous. Well, okay. Well, I need to walk away and work that one out. That sounds a little bit more intelligent than <laughs> a, a, a concept I'm used to work, grappling with. You're dying to go. Uh, we're, we're finished for the day in the... In the in the, uh, it's only because I need a little lie down. He needs a little lie down. So I'm, little, I am getting a little that, snifter. That, that thing we were doing at the front where you pretended I was a hundred year old man. I'm not far yeah, off. Yeah. Right? Last question: What do you say to your younger self? I ask this of a lot of people in the podcast. The fifteen, yeah, no, the, the fifteen year old Mark Dent. What would you go back and say to him in his ear? Yeah, okay, that's easy, and uh, just shows you how good I am at advertising because I've just thought up a line up. <laughs> just, just do it. I just thought. I just thought that. Of might that. Work. Yeah, I just. You know, that might I work in football. Well, yeah. Where do I get them from? As we go full know. circle back to the yeah, start of know, the podcast. I, I, I did. To be honest, I did. I did get it after a while. It's probably in, in my late twenties. I got this. <laughs> don't wait for someone else to give you permission to be good. Don't you know? And I did. And I did that early on in my career. One day I'm going to get a good brief, yeah. and then the, the one day the it. creative director yeah. is going to buy my good idea. Yeah. 
and uh, I got turned down a lot when I was younger you know same as everyone else did a lot of my what I thought were the gems that I was coming up with yeah, were chucked so in the true. bin so I just thought fuck it I'm just, I really am just going to do it myself whether you want it or not and I, and I used that when I set my agency up the clients who turn stuff down um, I did it on more than one occasion I just made the stuff and then I showed it to them again said what do you think and Absolutely. you know if, if, if it really is good they buy it it's as simple as that. And if it's not really good, you've, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's down to you. It's down to you to make it. You know, because I talk to everyone, and I never said this in the talk, but this, mm. this, this is the reality of it. We're a relatively small agency, and uh, I do answer the phone to anyone, and uh, I've got that reputation. And Because and, when you see a, uh, when I was a creative, a producer comes in trying to sell you a, a director, I'd say, here, you need a pilot for a new director. And before you know it, I've got these scripts out that have been yeah. bought. And uh, um, I persuade them to shoot the pilot, mm. or the same with a photographer or an illustrator or whatever. So enrolling people, create other creative people to do stuff for you, and with you, it's not yeah. for you because yeah. hopefully they get something out of it. And yeah. that, as I said in the talk, you've got to pay people back. So when you've got real jobs, you're paying back. Yeah. But um, I've got a reputation for that. And uh, before long, a lot of the stuff that I was doing outside of the agency uh, mm. world was winning big awards and a lot of people were getting famous along with me and um, I got a call this is when I was at Simon's Palmer Denton Clement Johnson my agency um, from a pop promo duo who really were great they were doing high end pop promos but they couldn't get arrested in advertising it was hard to make the leap between pop promos and commercials then and they'd been working on it for 10 years they were bloody brilliant they were doing Simply Red they were doing George Michael they were doing beautiful stuff Mm -hmm. it was Vaughan and Anthea and they phoned, they phoned me up and said, look, they came around and said, look, will you write me as a pilot? Because we want to do commercials. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I got together with my partner, Chris Palmer, and we went down to our planner, Simon Clemmo, and said, look, with this really great directing duo have come up, said, um, will you write as a pilot? What clients do we want to talk to? And he said, look, you know, the biggest spenders outside of the COI are, are British Telecom. So he wrote us a brief for British Telecom. We wrote some scripts for British Telecom. We wrote phone Fawn and Anthea up. They come round. We give them a bunch of scripts. They say, cool, we like these. Can we take them away? Mm-hmm. They come back a week later. They said, well, we want to shoot these two. We, like, we can't decide which one we yeah. like best. We want to shoot these two. We said, yeah, all right. Did a proper pre-production meeting. This is all without talking to British Telecom. Yeah. We didn't talk <laughs> to British Telecom. Yeah, they weren't our client. We, didn't, <laughs> we weren't talking to them at this point. We go away and shoot it. Shoot it like a proper job. They put money behind it and, and do it what I didn't know at the time I only found this out recently so 25 years later I bump into Anthea she said you know that we mortgaged our flat to do that they mortgaged our flat I think it was 40 grand that they raised well, you know I would have felt I would have felt nervous had I known that but uh, they put their, their necks on the line mortgaged their flat shot these commercials we get them back Simon Clemo puts them into research we approach BT to cut a very long story short, within six months we got the lion's share of the BT business, the biggest account in British advertising. They the and they ran the ads. Oh, were they? Which ones? Uh, they were get through to someone. Okay. And um, again, because this is the important people uh, thing, not the important people. It's the important point: pay people back. Exactly. I was just going so to go there. We ended giving uh, Vaughan and Anthea eleven commercials, and this is when it. BT had really good budgets. Before we finished the process doing the BT pilot, 
we liked Vaughan and Anthea so much, we liked working with them in the pre-production of that, that we had a Wrangler ad to shoot, mm. and they shot a, wrang- a black and white Wrangler ad, and uh, that really put them on the map. Yeah. And they, no one was using them up at that point. Eleven months later, BBH hired them to do a, a black and white Levi's ad. They really had made it by that point. So, you know, that's what happens yeah. when you just oh, all, when you, you just key, do stuff. The key mention is always look after the people that have helped you up. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I, I read, I read actually just before I let you go. I read that uh, or listen, but George Harrison mortgaged his house to fund the life of Brian. And again, Terry Jones and the guys did not know that. Oh, well, amazing! And they went, if we'd known that, we would have been petrified. How amazing! He yeah. just felt that movie needed to be made. What a great story! Like the, you think yeah. George Harrison wouldn't have? Because he's a Beatle, right? Yeah, in the 70s. yeah. I would have thought yeah. he, <laughs> he had a few bob in yeah, his back pocket. Have, yeah. I've bought a few movies. Yeah. Martin, thank you for coming on Look, the show. Uh, we had a, we had we tried something puerile. Yeah, I know you you were really good at that. You this place do. is no, this industry is lacking people like you, and that's one of the reasons it's in Shepherd's. Oh, thank so you. So you keep doing what you thank do. Thank you. And keep making us laugh. And thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Ciao.